Welcome to Working on Wellbeing, where we share stories of purpose-driven people doing good in the world. We'll meet change agents, entrepreneurs, students, teachers, and big thinkers to learn about their wow moment and how it got them to where they are today. This show is brought to you by Salary Finance, and I'm your host, Anita Ward, cultural anthropologist and chief development officer at Salary Finance. Today, our show is live from Tampa, Florida, where we're joined by the remarkable Ashley T. Brundage, the VP of Diversity and Inclusion for one of the largest financial institutions in the country. And Ashley is the bomb. So you're in for a very, very special treat. I would say for those handful of you who haven't had the pleasure of meeting Ashley, I'm just going to kind of read off a few of her accomplishments and I'm going to embarrass you a little bit, Ashley, but I don't have time that it would take the whole podcast to actually list all of your accomplishments for everybody, but I want to set the stage, right? So first and foremost, everybody, She's a recognized leader in workplace equality. There's nobody who has a better leadership position and talks more authentically in my world about inclusion. Ashley serves on the Corporate Advisory Council for the National LGBT Chamber of Commerce, where I hear that you're now co-chairing their new Global Transgender Nonconforming Inclusion Task Force. That is awesome, and I can't wait to hear more about it. I think, was it this year or last year, you were actually elected to the National Board of Directors for glad. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my favorite, I mean, she's just an amazing speaker and motivator and she's been in more media and journals more than I can count, but I'm an anthropologist, so I don't count well anyway, but she even had a feature story in Bloomberg business week. So when you start thinking about diversity and inclusion and equity and Ashley's story, we'll start talking very distinctly and very clearly about the business piece because at her core, she won't tell of it. She's an entrepreneur. This is the, the most successful businesswoman I'm ever going to meet. And she's got tons and tons and tons of awards. But I'm going to tell you, Ashley, my dear friend, I, I think the best one is the one where the National Diversity Council named you as one of Florida's most powerful and influential women. So for me, that's really all it takes is I am so humbled. I am so grateful. I am so excited to have a conversation with you today because you're just one of my most favorite people in the whole wide world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. Honor, honored to be here. <laughs> well, first, I mean, it would be bad of me. Congratulations on the new book. Uh, <laughs> it's so amazing. Empowering differences, everybody. And the new company and your book tour, isn't it? I mean, where, where are you going on the book tour? Oh my goodness. The next like three weeks, I have New York, I have Detroit, I have DC, I have Vegas, I have Costa Rica. I'm all over the place. <laughs> so you're going to need luggage. I did see some really cute luggage called Birdie. That is really cute. But there's like, there's so much happening. And the last time I saw you right before quarantine, this book wasn't just, it was just underway. It wasn't finished. So did you finish it during quarantine while I sat around and ate chips at home? Yeah, I not only finished it during quarantine, I uh, got it published and then I created it as a workbook. And then I also created it as an online course, all stemming to more leadership and empowerment for everyone. 
and we can we can get that on your website, right? So at the end, I'll make sure and share with everybody how they can get to empowering differences. Because you know, yesterday you and I were talking about this, but I'm super anxious to take a deep dive into the book and and your company. But it struck me this morning that super popular right now to talk a lot about diversity and talk a lot about well-being, but you've lived it. I mean, you've lived every aspect of well-being, physical and social and emotional and financial, and you acted. So I thought maybe we could start with you setting the stage by maybe sharing your personal story, maybe starting where the book begins, like yeah, first career, maybe. I love the way you position it as your first career and your first life. And so would we, could you start there for us, Ash? Yeah, I can totally do that. I can uh, take our listeners on my time machine trip back. And in the 90s, I actually wanted to transition my gender, but I couldn't find enough resources to be able to survive. There weren't a lot of conversations about the transgender community happening in the 90s. So I hid in the closet to survive. And I latched on in the restaurant industry and grew my career uh, from a a part-time server making $4 an hour to become a corporate uh, general manager leading a team of 50 people in the restaurant industry. And it was literally every day working in that restaurant industry was kind of my way of just kind of tunnel visioning my focus on the work and building relationships with people. And it really helped me just survive. And I was just surviving. That's it. Only just barely surviving. 17 or 18 at the time, right? Yeah. I started working there when I was 16 and I just kind of worked. I worked there for 12 years, just kind of floating through the world. And then 2008 happened as it happened to a lot of people that financial crisis hit me very difficult, very hard. And I couldn't take one more day of not living authentically and just scraping by to survive. It affected my work experience. It affected my production at work. It affected my relationships, um, not living authentically. And then that's when I said, you know what? I have to figure this out. And it, And at that point, I actually lost my job and then I lost my house and was homeless with four mouths to feed. And I said, you know what? I had to figure out where I fit into this world because I can't go through another 12 years like that. So there's a a part in the book that I, I find so compelling where you talk about, I think you're 21 or early 20s and you were at the pinnacle, like you were the youngest general manager at the organization, maybe ever. And you contrast that with what it was like to have privilege then when you were, you know, presenting as a white cisgender straight man and what that, you know, it, it gave you a different perspective on privilege. I, I think what many of our listeners don't understand, can you talk a bit about privilege and what you shared in the book? Because it's, it's deeply emotional. Um, and I, I think something that only you have the unique perspective on. Yeah. I mean, so the word privilege usually will scare the most privileged people in society. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they see that as 
opportunity that people might attack them about their privilege. I recommend that when you're listening to the podcast today, watching the replay online, that you think about the word privilege and not from a negative context. Think about it as an opportunity where you can create empowerment for others. And that's how you manage privilege appropriately. If you have privilege to something, whether that be white privilege, whether that be cisgender privilege or straight privilege or whatever it is, that you have a privilege because you're one of the more privileged people in society because of that item, then you should be thinking about how you should utilize empowerment to be the difference maker for others. And that will create a stronger society. It'll create a stronger workplace where you work. It'll create a better society for for everyone to be more empowered. And that is at the end of the day, what we're looking for. Yes. And speaking of empowerment, when you talk about 2008, how did you empower yourself to present as Ashley, to go on these interviews? I think that would have been really challenging, right? Yeah. Oh, it, it was. I can't imagine what, you know, what that was like. Yeah. I started showing, so I spent about um, 2008 to 2010, really spending a lot of effort on step one of the four-step empowerment process, which is to know yourself. And I really spent that time to seek out therapy and counseling and group sessions to kind of really get to know how I was going to survive, how I was going to then be empowered. I think that's really, really important. And then I started showing up to job interviews, not authentically at first. And I showed up to a job interview and I kind of used my privilege presenting still as a cisgender presenting, male presenting person. And I kind of moved right through the interview process that day. It was an entry-level position. And they were like, well, yeah, we, oh my goodness, we would love to have you. If you come back tomorrow, we'll uh, fill out your paperwork and get you and then get you started and all of that. And I said, oh, okay. And then so I showed up the next day, a la Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, you know what? I, I, if I'm going to start at the bottom again, I'm going to end up literally becoming, I'm going to end up killing myself. Like that is, I mean, it, it's heartbreaking to say that because so many people face suicide, but it was a reality that I was in that, in that target demographic pit. Transgender people face a 42% suicide rate, but it's reason because of it's so hard to find employment, so hard to have people support you in friendship. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to show up and be me and I'm going to own it. And I walked in and they were like, oh, you don't have a job interview here today. <laughs> uh, you have the wrong address. And then I was like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. I'm facing discrimination for the very first time. Right. And I needed to face that kind of hardship and that kind of discrimination because it's what led me to really uncover the rest of the steps of the four-step empowerment process. And didn't you take a stint while you were sort of figuring out who you were, where you were taking care of the boys? You were a stay-at-home parent at that point, right? So you took this, you're at that pinnacle end of the general management and said, I can't do this. I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to, I'm going to shift and focus on my family. Yeah. And that was really the knowing, knowing yourself step. Uh, you have to really be able to know everything that's about who you are. And my kids are such an important part of who I am. 
And being with them really gave me the empowerment that I needed. It, it literally, they gave me the toolkit to overcome every single item of discrimination, harassment, and homelessness that I faced the next three years. So when did you end up at the bank? I love the story of the first day at the bank yes. uh, because I feel like every organization should maybe listen carefully to how you describe what that first day was and how safe it felt. But how did you end up? Because your resume would never, would have been way off the charts to give you a part-time teller position. So what, I mean, what goes on in that courageous head of yours to say, I'm going to go do this and (laughs) get there because that's, that's a a big, you know, a big difference. Yeah. I, uh, well, I had basically kind of been dumbing down my resume because I felt if I could just get my foot in the door in a major organization, then I would be an internal candidate. And that path was going to be a lot easier to navigate than trying to move in at middle minute, middle manager level for an organization. It's a bigger list. It's bigger trust, right? Trust requirement needed for that. So that's what led me to kind of t- being, being willing to take that part-time teller position. I thought it was a full-time teller position. And I realized it was part-time. I was like, okay, let's make this even harder. I got this. Um, uh, knocking down. I, I What's that? Breaking down obstacles, knocking down doors. That's who you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was like, let's make it even harder. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I really felt that uh, if I could get my foot in the door, then I would have a path to diversity, equity, inclusion. Like that was my ultimate goal. I wanted to work in an organization where I knew they had a program and I would find my way there. And so I started as a teller part-time and that first day I showed up, I was like, okay, I'm in the right spot. I'm in a, I'm in the training room and it's like the most diverse group of people surrounded around me. And I'm like, I wasn't even the only transgender person in the room. I was like, wow, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> like statistically speaking, there are 12 new hires in this one training class. What were the chances that there would be two transgender people in that class? Like, who was wow. to the bank, right? I mean, because there must have been intentionality around that. So yeah. good for them. And our training instructor, instructor was openly gay. And it was literally every single age, background, ethnicity, race was covered on this tw- on these 12 people. It was just amazing. I was so excited. And I knew I was at home. And I knew that I could work really hard to showcase results, which kind of stems to the other steps of the empowerment process that helped me start to grow my career. Yeah, I want to talk about the ground rules, the, the ground rules in your book, right? Not, because I think they could be used in every single situation. So, you know, you talk a little bit about knowing who you are, but what, how do you figure out who you are? Well, you take my self-assessment. Yeah, Joe, there you go. <laughs> take my self-assessment. And I know that you're probably saying, oh my goodness, Ashley, another self-assessment. Please, <laughs> I don't want to do another self-assessment. But my self-assessment is much different than all the other ones that you've taken <laughs> because mine are open-ended questions that lead to better understanding who you are, about you, your empowerment, your privilege, your comfort zone, and how you are ready to start empowering others. And these open-ended questions really ultimately are going to get you thinking about this empowerment level and make you dig deeper to really know yourself and set you up 
for step two and ground rule two, step two, which is to know others. If you don't know and you can't statistically speak to each difference that you hold around the economic buying power or the the uh, the census data of who who represents you what the statistics say about the country that you are in the laws surrounding the country that you're in around inclusivity and diversity then you need to work harder at steps 1 and 2 And I will admit that there was a part in the self-assessment as I went through and I thought, oh my gosh, Ashley, you're really making me dig deep here. And there was a point where I'm like, oh, I don't want to go there. But I realized that if you don't go there, then you can't finish that step number one. So educating yourself about yourself is just as important as educating yourself about everything around you. And I think the first step was the hardest in many ways. Definitely. So, Definitely. I mean, it took me a lot of years to get through step like, one. Exactly. <laughs> like, Look at the mirror, Anita. I'm like, oh, God. Four, Ashley, four years. <laughs> <laughs> but I think what your story does is show, just like you said, it took you four years to get through that step. I, I think it's that journey, though, that shows that once you get through this, then you're motivated. What I will say is once I completed the assessment, I was a little more motivated to say, okay, I can I can do this, right? I'm starting to know about me and I'm being honest. So that honesty and authenticity that you present, I think it happens in your self-assessment and you force others to present that in a very sort of, you know, Mary Poppins, supercalifragilistic way, because I didn't feel like I was, you know, being, a, a being uh, you know, forced to do anything, but in it's a great assessment. So I very much enjoyed learning about me. So thank you for that. I I then think that what you just said for those first two, knowing you and knowing the people and the environment around you, then it's about what the third one is. Strategy. You have to develop your strategy. And really developing your strategy is actually two ways. So first, you have to develop your strategy around how and when and where and why you're going to empower your differences and which differences you're going to be empowering and what setting. So for me, especially during the interview process, I knew that my status as a transgender person was going to be the number one question every single HR person had on their head every time I walked into a job interview wasn't going to be my female status, my hidden disability, wasn't going to be my red hair, it wasn't going to be any other one of my differences that was going to be their number one question. It was going to be my transgender status. They wanted to immediately ask every single question about that, but they can't. So if I didn't address that and be able to position that with empowerment, then I was never going to move forward. And that was how I had to develop my strategy early on and which difference to empower. But then as I started moving through this journey, developing your strategy became about each and every difference. So that's one part. And then the other part about developing your strategy aligns to the 10 empowering actions, which of course sets you up for step four to take action. You have to develop your strategy around how you're going to prioritize the actions, those 10 actions. Because if you aren't developing your strategy around that, 
then you're going to have pitfalls like I did. When I was in the job interviews early on, I was using the actions a little differently. I was leading with education. And while leading with education is actually one of the the immediate things that many in the LGBTQ plus community do, we want to say, oh, this is what transgender means, or this is what it means to be an ally, or this is, we go to do a trans 101 or LGBTQ training and try to help people understand, because that's just where the heart lives, is wanting to help people understand, thinking that that's going to lead to more empowerment. And it doesn't always lead to more empowerment. So those conversations were going great, but it wasn't leading to any job officers. And then I tried to lead with inspiration, which for my course and the book is largely tied to how you communicate with others. And I would say, oh, you know, you see this thing I have on my shoulder, it's a big chip. And I'm here to show you about how I'm going to have an amazing chip on my shoulder to prove that I belong in your organization. I overcame harassment, discrimination, and homelessness to be in this job interview here today. And let me just tell you that imagine what I'm going to do for you. And and that would be leading with inspiration. And that was great, but it wasn't leading to any job offers. So then I had to bring the empowerment. I had to bring the empowering data to the conversation. And so leading with empowerment, then inspiration, and then education in that order is what led me. And I would say, don't ever self-identify anything about any difference that you have to someone else and leave it on an island on its own. If you say that you have a disability, or you say that you are LGBTQ, or you're trans, or whatever it is, or you speak uh, English is not your first language, whatever one of the 10 most common differences that you're sharing with someone, don't share it on its own. If you do that, the other person then can pick it up and take it any which way they want to take it. If you share it with empowerment, then they have the ability to be empowered through that difference. And that is the difference. That's a huge difference because then what you're putting forward is this holistic view, right? And how all of them together make up the whole versus... Don't don't be on an island on your own. So Uh, I would say... Oh, I'm yeah, I am I am the transgender person, but I'm just one of approximately 2 million transgender people who live in this country. And by surrounding myself with 1.999 million other people, I'm not I'm putting an economic voice to it. And that's empowerment. Yeah, there's a a piece I wanted to talk about the 10 steps because, you know, that's really how you empower. But there's a piece in the empowering section around the ground rules where you talk a lot about how organizations empower others. Is there advice or examples that you could give to organizations? Because it's not enough that just the HR person buys in and says, oh, okay, I get. But the organization has to power through their action as well. Are there... Is there stories you could tell or things that you might share around that too? Yeah. I mean, well, the lowest hanging item would be to definitely enroll all of your employees into my (laughs) online course. (laughs) I mean, I just, I had to take that one. It was right there. uh, 
but besides that, that's your entrepreneurial skills. Yes. Part of it. Um, differences. Yeah. But honestly, really each of the actions carries a certain amount of weight. The 10 actions are, I mean, and obviously I could have had a hundred actions in this, in this book, but uh, that'll be for, for net for book two, for book three, right? Cause book one is the book. You've got the workbook too. Yeah. That I count that as a book for you. Yes. So, and um, really can, can really make a major impact immediately for people. Uh, our access. And so creating access for others, whether that be physical access to a building, whether that be access to your executives, so that that way employees can set meetings with with them on their on their bookable calendar. I, I think that that is an amazing thing that any executive can do. They can create 15 minute time slots, you know, and, and offer 10 of them a month or whatever it is. And the employee should have the ability to do that and have that true open door policy that doesn't exist in this virtual world. Just a couple. I mean, there's so many more examples. You know, my favorite chapters about the trust, right? Yes. I heard you earlier on go, okay, it's about trust. just happens to be my favorite piece because I feel like it's just so fundamental and it, it's fundamental. I mean, we're both in financial services. It's fundamental in the financial well-being world too, because you can't really talk about money or inequities without a level of trust. And, and so I, how do I bring my authentic self to a situation without trust? And so I think that of all of them, you talk about how trust and privilege and education go hand in hand. But the thing that hit me the most was how you encourage people to listen. Why, uh, you know, you're 15 minutes where you're saying, open the door. Even if they open the door to the access, the person can't come in and be their authentic self if all you are doing is talking at them. So let's talk a bit about, I'll shut my mouth and listen, but let's talk a bit about why is listening so important to go hand in hand with trust? Yeah. I mean, I I think, I mean, so I'm one of those people that that takes notes and I have my notebook here and, and I think it's important to be such an active listener. It's one thing to listen, it's, you know, the difference between listening and hearing, it's the whole other thing, right? I don't, I don't know. I just really get passionate about this ability to really allow people to be fully voiced is, is a whole process that involves, like literally trust is so incrementally important to that. Yeah. You have to be able to put forth all of the other, you have to be doing all the empowerment for, for that to happen. And if you're not, like, if you don't know yourself, you don't know others, it won't, you won't really be able to hear what the problem is. You're not going to be putting forth an environment where someone can actually literally say, hey, I think that maybe you want to change the verbiage of the way that you say that, the way you greet everybody at a meeting. I I feel it's not inclusive. Um, But if you haven't put forth that environment where someone will know that you're going to listen to what you have to say, then, you know, you're, you're a little bit further on you you need to move back in the steps and, and it's okay to move back in the four steps. <laughs> I promise you, I'll be going back to step one quite often over the next, you know, 10 years as I still continue to discover myself. Exactly. Um, and as you do discover things about yourself, you will have to really go back through this again yeah. and say, okay, this is what I've, I'm now I now know need to know this about myself. Uh, 
and the environment changes. So yeah. it's not a static sort of assessment. It's a continuous innovation of yourself uh, as much as it is understanding who you are. You know, everybody talks a lot about 2020, Ashley, but I think what came out of that obviously was this commitment to social justice and diversity and inclusion. But I have to tell you, you know, we're both data freaks. And when I sit back and I look at systemic divides that still need bridging, particularly in the LGBTQ and trans and transgender communities, I mean, we're struggling with healthcare, financial well-being, wealth, opportunity. But I, I grabbed some statistics this morning and I thought, God, I wonder, you know, Ashley and I could talk about these, but LGBT retirees is twi- are twice as likely to live in poverty than their LGBT peers. Transgender people are four times more likely to have a household income of less than $10,000. Back to your your comment earlier, and 21% of LGBT people are unbanked. And as professionals in financial services and and, financial well-being and knowing, I mean, you, you incurred your biggest financial shock during the housing debacle. Did you didn't you and Whitney lose your home at some point, right? So we did. totally. Yeah. It was not it was not not good. I, I yeah, that financial stress is such a burden. And I wonder, are there what you know, what are your thoughts about how do you address these systemic issues? Is there a role for an employer? Is there a role for a banker? I mean, how do we overcome that and help bring down stress levels? particularly financial stress and help with the well-being piece. And uh, and I, you know, obviously what you're doing with your program and empowering differences is critical. But I also wonder if maybe financial well-being and financial inclusion should be part of the DEI agenda. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that uh, financial empowerment also, you know, we think about the African-American Black community who, who have not had opportunity to access wealth for hundreds of years like the white community has. And there are certain resources that need to be put forth. You know, so I, I think that empowerment and access obviously are super important in this space. As financial services organizations, they have uh, a responsibility to to put resources where they are needed. But I think it also the other piece of this that is kind of the lowest hanging fruit, I think, is the removing of stigma associated with those communities. You know, I talk about my uh, walking into employers and literally having a door slammed in my face from an employer. That happened to me. I got trespassed from a job interview. This is stuff that happened to me in Florida 11, 12 years ago, but it's happening still today. And it's actually people are being emblazoned more today than they were five, six, seven years ago. It was kind of more like I kind of flew under the radar for the most part. And now people are pinpointing and looking for those people who are intersectionally different. Uh, people are being emblazoned to attack people saying that they're not a citizen or that they are a foreigner. This all comes from miseducation, um, stereotypes, biases. The educational space ha- could accomplish so much. I actually led a workshop about the transgender talent pipeline because 
40% of the transgender community is unemployed. And then 40% of the transgender community is also underemployed to your point around the $10,000 average income well, and, your, and your resume, the fact that you dummied down a resume right. just to get a foot in the door, only to skyrocket your career, I might add, because you went from that part-time teller to a VP in like four years or something crazy. Yeah. So I think there's still something to be said about that. But as I heard you talking, I started thinking, you know, in some ways right now, it takes courage to empower your differences. Yes, Totally. And didn't hit me until you just started saying that. Well, so- but the other piece of this, it, it takes even more courage to be someone who might not necessarily think that you have these kinds of differences. And maybe we haven't mentioned the you yet on this, if you're listening. And you maybe you might identify in a majority race or a majority religion or a majority gender or a minority gender, right? Because I guess there's more women in this world now than there are men. Yeah. Uh, so, right. But if you are a white cisgender male ally or soon to be ally uh, and you're listening, right? It might even be harder for you to empower others' differences, but you do hold the key back to that privilege conversation we talked about, back to educating others, point them to this podcast, point them to the resources, point them to my resources. I mean, that's where you actually can make that impact with others. If you change one person's opinion every single day um, and everyone listening did that, we would start really moving forward past our differences. Like literally there are 7 billion different people on this planet. We are all different. And if we all concentrate on empowering others, just imagine how, how successful we will all be. And you used one of my favorite words around ally, right? And so this whole idea of allyship, I, you had strong allies through your journey as well, including your wife, Whitney, right? I mean, you had strong allies through the process as you share in the book. How do, how do, I, how do I show my allyship to people? <laughs> so we just told everybody, you know, right? Come forward. Let's everybody be allies, speak up. No matter who you are, we can change the world. Where do I start, Ashley? Uh, my favorite thing is that as allies that take action, use any one of my 10 empowering actions to leverage change because they're all great ally tips. And so that could be conducting a daily privilege check. So like when you get up in the morning, count out how many privileges you have. You woke up, right? You had an alarm. So that meant that you probably had internet. It means you probably had power. It means you probably had, like all of these are privileges. I have a bank account. I have a job. I have, right. I, I could stand in the, in, in the room. I can open the door. I can see the alarm clock. I, all the, yeah. I could hear the alarm clock. All of those things are potential privileges. You know, and like we signed into this podcast recording studio and we did a sound check and a video check and we should do a privilege check every day. Do a daily privilege check. Like it can be so actionable. And then once you realize the privilege that you hold, do something to make it easier for someone who does not hold that privilege. That is incredible advice. There's a piece in your book where you talk about one way to build trust is with small acts of generosity that don't have any strings attached. And so 
have decided I'm going to give you credit all the time, but I think just leaving our listeners with something like that, this sort of small act of cerebral generosity that has no strings attached, where, you know, the best advice right now is what you just said around privilege and around doing a privilege check. And I can promise you, Ashley, I'm going to embrace that. But um, what I'd like to do maybe is tell people what's next for you. Where can people find you? Where's the tour? Where's, you know, where can they purchase your book? Where can they sign up for your leadership program? Is it all under empoweringdifferences.com? Is- yes, yes. That's the place where everything is at, empoweringdifferences.com. And if you're listening today and you're thinking, oh, I want to do that, and um, you can use coupon code EMPOWER and you'll save 25% off. Woo-hoo! any of your purchases. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for listening. And that's in power, whether that's caps or lowercase, doesn't matter. (laughs) It's not case sensitive, so it won't matter. And you can also follow me on social media at Ashley T. Brundage, all one word, A-S-H-L-E-Y-T-B-R-U-N-D-A-G-E. And you can also follow Empowering Differences because there's a lot of really great curated content and there's groups on social media uh, where you can connect with other people who are in the empowerment journey together at empowering diff d-i-f-f and that's because of course empowering differences was just too long of a name but of course <laughs> and twitter has character limits yes them. exactly exactly so I- i'm gonna get a-, a little emotional because in the front of my book i'm so lucky everybody because Miss Ashley actually wrote in the front of my book for me, but in the book, in the in in this part, you challenged me to empower the world together, mm-hmm. and so I want to take this opportunity to challenge everybody listening. As you said, all of us together, millions of people, everybody listening. If we did decide that we could empower the world together think about the change that we would have. And just the idea of empowering your differences, embrace who you are, embrace who we are, embrace the loveliness of all of the differences that we bring. The the world is so unique and so amazing. And then Ashley, I'd going to challenge it back to you to say, turn empowering differences into a social movement mm-hmm. and let's all work together. It's it's more than training. It's more than uh, this, but I think just taking the steps and moving it together, helping people with emotional well-being, helping people with social well-being, financial well-being, all those pieces together, I think we should create a social movement based on this empowerment and on, on embracing our different So I can't tell you how grateful I am. You have changed a bit of my life. You have made me self-assess. You have made me, you know, think about how do you change the world? But you, girl, you raised the bar so high that now I have to step up and figure out what can I do? So you're stuck with me and we will change, you know, people together, even if it's just one person at a time. So I'm really grateful, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you for being so authentic. Thank you for being such a human being and and a hero to all of us. And I'm so grateful for your time with me today. So, Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad to have spent this time with you and your listeners. And and, um, and I'll also just give you one more piece of good... good, uh, Cerebral cerebral generosity, right? Yes, Um, which is don't forget that as you're going through this journey together, and we go through this journey together, and you finish the four steps... 
at the end of the day, go back and take the self-assessment again. And by doing that, you'll be able to uncover the self-actualization that sits there. It's just sitting there waiting for you to access it. And the self-actualization is literally the moment when you will actually really see the empowerment action working. Thank you so much. I will see you soon. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Working on Wellbeing, brought to you by Salary Finance. I'm Anita Ward. At Salary Finance, our mission is to improve the financial health of working Americans by providing access to socially responsible financial products in the workplace. You can learn more about how you can partner with us to help improve your employees' financial well-being at salaryfinance.com. Don't forget to subscribe or follow so you don't miss an episode.